Hi everyone, welcome to STEPS audio channel. We are very excited to share our content from STEPS events to learn all about the latest trends in startups, digital media, fintech, future tech, and wellness in emerging markets. You can find us on Enagami, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to your favorite channel and we hope you enjoy the content. First of all, before we start this panel, I just want to ask one question. Who here thinks entrepreneurship is easy? Can I get a... Uh, is entrepreneurship easy? Who here thinks entrepreneurship is easy? Great. So for the majority of the people in the room, entrepreneurship is very difficult. This is why this panel is extremely important because we do not discuss the challenges of mental health in entrepreneurship. So David, thank you for joining. Um, Mariam and Nadine, thank you so much. Um, we're going to be guiding this conversation in a very open manner. So um, as a first-time founder, many people look at me and say, hey, you look like a baby. Um, I, I have no experience at all in doing this. But all I know is that it's so important to have safe spaces and it's so important to actually have conversations as challenges arise. So in today's panel, what we're going to be doing is we will be talking openly about different experiences. We have a very diverse set uh, of panelists, uh, people that come from various backgrounds, but today as part of my role is to get the best uh, of the stories of the panelists today. So thank you so much, David, for joining. Thank you so much, Mariam, and thank you so much, Nadine. Uh, I'd like to start the first um, uh, question today on the panel and ask you, uh, I think the biggest question here is changing from corporate to being a, f a founder in a startup. And, and feel free to take the shots, whoever wants to start first. How does that... How, how, like describe the challenge, describe the mental challenge. And a lot of people that aren't entrepreneurs, it's very hard to empathize and understand that if you haven't actually been in, in someone's shoes. Absolutely. Thank you, Ali. Um, I feel like the mic is too close. I hope I'm not uh, disturbing anyone. So for me, this is my first time to be a founder. Yeah. I've been in the corporate world. Um, well, corporate, public sector, academia, you know, but really on my own uh, is the first time. When you have an entrepreneurial spirit, but yet still have that income, the stable income that's coming at the end of the month in your bank account, it's a whole new world when you're on your own completely. Um, my co-founder is actually my husband. So again, Wow. So many different challenges. Uh, we have different work lifestyles and we have different um, uh, strategies and we have different ways of doing things. So sometimes you, you want to say something and you just want to hold yourself because you, you don't want to have domestic fights at home over business. So when you have someone that's close to you um, and you founded um, uh, your business or your startup or, or, or you, your venture, um, your baby basically, uh, you need to coexist and you need to really make things work. Um, it is a scary feeling, 100%. I've been on this journey only for seven months. Um, I was griefing, in fact, my corporate uh, exit. Um, it's not an easy exit. You, you, you somehow kind of just have to jump because you, if you over-calculate your exit, it's going to take you forever. And that's what happened with me. It took me three years to actually make that jump. Um, wow. And the stress that comes with it, I, you know, you just take, take it as an excitement. So you teach yourself that you're not stressed, you're excited, you're not anxious, you're actually very, um, uh, you know, uh, you're, you're excited. You're excited about new beginnings, you're excited about what's coming. Um, so just, you, you know, to, to train yourself to calm down, <laughs> that it's not the end of the world, that you're on your own. 
So I really liked how you mentioned, um, you know, you, you have this co-founder relationship with your husband. And uh, that's something we will talk about um, specifically as we mention the importance of having healthy co-founder relationships with in the space of entrepreneurship itself. But David, can you, talk us, can you talk to us a little bit about your transition into entrepreneurship? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I grew up in California in Silicon Valley and I was, my, la my last jobs there were um, working half time at Stanford and working as a contractor at Google and realizing that that is not where I was supposed to be. Um, I realized that Silicon Valley was the epicenter of inequality in the world and a lot of how entrepreneurship there is structured is designed to literally um, exploit and exacerbate inequality in the world. So I had to leave that and um, move back to Lebanon and, uh, and I've been working basically since then, the last 15, 16 years, and thinking how can we support more entrepreneurship in the Middle East, in developing countries, in transitioning countries, etc. Yeah. Now in the startup world we often say the, one of the best things to do is to start working on your startup while you have a job. Absolutely. You're more relaxed, it's more stable, you can experiment, you have less risk, etc. But in the startup world, we talk about two different flavors of entrepreneurship. We talk about opportunity-based entrepreneurship and needs-based entrepreneurship. Opportunity-based meaning you see an opportunity, you want to pursue growth. It's not that you need it, it's that you're excited, you have the, yeah. the opportunity, and you want to try to you know, build something from that. Need-based entrepreneurship is there aren't jobs available, there aren't opportunities, etc. I need to create this entrepreneurial venture to support myself, my livelihood, my family, etc. Yeah. And these come with different levels and different flavors of stress as well. If you're pursuing entrepreneurship because you need to support your family, then the risk of that thing not working is much greater. So how can we think of the aspects of, and, and not to say that opportunity-based entrepreneurship also isn't stressful, yeah. it certainly is, yeah. um, but Maria mentioned the tools, teaching um, ourselves to calm down and breathe and focus. It's this aspect of the tools which are so important and, and so much connected to, to our work at Bloom and trying to see how can we support more people developing those tools yeah. of well-being within their entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. I think, um, you know, uh, I, I want to just dive into a little bit of a more personal angle here. Um, you know, we can talk about entrepreneurship till tomorrow or till the, till, till the end of the year, but we, I definitely want to discuss the most challenging part of being an entrepreneur. Um, so, uh, Nadine, uh, what is the most, I mean, we've done a report with Wamda and Microsoft and had, and um, it was the first ever entrepreneurship and well-being report in the ecosystem. Uh, and shout out to Scott over there for, for being a champion for that report. Um, Scott is the editor-in-chief of Raven Business. Um, we found so many different data points, but it differs from one person to the other because mental health looks different from one person to the other. Uh, which brings me to, to the question right now. What is the most pressing part of being an entrepreneur is it time management? Is it finances? Is it balancing time? Is it finding time for yourself? How has your experience been, Nadine? Uh, nice question, Ali. Um, I think time management, uh, negotiation, all this is things that you will suffer or you will have to deal with if you're in the corporate world or in the startup world. 
I just think sometimes if I decided to go to the startup world 10 years ago, and who am I as a person, and what my personality is, and you know, what stresses me, what doesn't stress me, I would have definitely gone into like a deep depression in six months, definitely. Because the, the floor you're, working, you're walking on is not stable at all times. So you need to be comfortable that you're walking in uncertainty at all times. And I think that's the most challenging part because there's so much uncertainty. And I always say when you're creating something, the uncertainty comes with it. And what I'm glad maybe 10 years ago I couldn't do and I do better now, doesn't mean I do it very well, but better is this awareness. We spoke a lot about awareness is this connection to yourself, the trust in yourself, you know, and this calmness that, you know what, I'm doing the right thing, I believe in this, and I will push through to, you know. I I just want to ask something, because as you're talking about managing ambiguity, can I get one example of how you actually manage uncertainty and ambiguity? Because I think that we talk about things so much, and it's very good as a theory or as high level. But for example, in my case, I had a terrible experience opening a bank account. I wasn't able to sleep. I can't cash my check. I have, I have obligations. Like that, to me, was extremely stressful. Like how do you overcome, like has something happened for you where you had to, like, because as entrepreneurs, we're problem solvers, right? Like how, how have you been able to deal with, you know, ambiguity and, and manage that in, 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 in Valeo? Actually, this to yesterday I told one of my team members like if you want to know the worst of me like my worst face let me talk to a bank <laughs> like that's when like another Nadine comes out you know I'm super angry um, what are the tools I think being sometimes there's many things I always say people need to have their checklists okay and each person has a different checklist what is my checklist is I need to meditate every day, I need to eat well, clean, I need to uh, do uh, my fitness, so I have to move, I have to go to the gym, and that's where I get the best ideas. This is my checklist. For someone else, it could be like, I need to go dancing, I need to do yoga. So you need to know what's required for you to feel okay in your body, meaning you have the energy, you know, you can think clearly, yeah. you slept well, this is 100%. That's very important. Very That's important. very important as entrepreneur, you like, know? <laughs> you know, like, so first you need to get the foundation yeah. correct. Like, you need to yeah. feel strength in your body and in your mind. And it's not like you can expect your mind to be full focus if you didn't sleep or if you've been eating not well or, take, you know, drinking a lot. Sometimes you need it, but it's okay. Uh, so definitely, I would say physically, I would make sure my body is well to take decisions. Second, everything that is under my control, I will do my best in terms of analysis with the team, you know. Everything that's not, out, not in my control, which is most of the time maybe 80%, to be aware of it. This is out of my control. These are the risks, but I have to be okay that it might not go as planned. And then fourth is just a sense of like, <laughs> it's going to sound a, a bit like home but faith, right? You, in the universe, you know, I've Absolutely. tried my best, I've done everything, things will work out. And if they don't work out, then there's a reason it didn't work out. 
Absolutely, no. I think uh, the level of optimism entrepreneurs have are like, it's sometimes a little bit ridiculous, um, <laughs> especially when they believe in their ideas, like uh, the mom test. I think there's a book out there called The Mom Test when you're like uh, trying to figure out um, answers that don't marry your idea. Um, anyways, David, I would love to hop in uh, into uh, the topic of well-being and entrepreneurs. Like, what can we do as entrepreneurs to um, provide more support in the ecosystem? I think that that's something that we need more of? Yeah, sure. Great question. Um, uh, in our programs, there, there are a few approaches. One is helping people realize their current situation. So to be able to reflect and have more, ref uh, have more um, uh, awareness, thinking, okay, how are we doing? How am I doing? How's my team doing? Uh, then to have an idea of, okay, if something's not right, well, where do I want to go? And then to think, okay, there's actually the ability to do something about it. You just mentioned a checklist, this morning practice, um, that there are things that can be done to actually change our current state, to change the um, uh, sense of well-being on the team, etc. And then to actually do them, to get in the habit, to have the repetitions, etc. And, uh, and, and then the question is, how can we do this then at scale? Yeah, how can we do this with more people there's so many people, th th there's a challenge in this space that often the people who need this the most aren't aware, think it's taboo, um, uh, don't think that it's for them, et cetera. So how to create some on-ramps for this, things that are accessible, um, uh, that are manageable, that they can start doing, and then to build momentum on. Miriam, yeah. um, uh, what, what, what about you? I mean, how has your experience uh, been in terms of... Uh, providing uh, a safe space for those who you work with? Because I, I think that oftentimes as entrepreneurs, we, we want to we wanna look like we're succeeding all the time. That's, that's, that's the biggest pet peeve I have. Like in, 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 as being an entrepreneur, I think that so much value. There, there's a lot of things in, in the journey of raising funds, doing a lot of stuff. But how do you, like, how do you deal with offering a safe space for yourself and for others? Because I do think as well you have offering some space for yourself to feel everything deeply allows you to offer others as well. Well, I agree with, with, with Nadine and I, I agree with David. Honestly, for, for here, faith is number one for me. Yeah. So faith and optimism, 100%. You have to have faith in something, whatever that is, and you have to have faith in yourself. So you wake up every morning and you write five things that you're extremely grateful for. One is actually waking up in the morning. I'm still alive, you know? Um, so that's definitely. Um, motivating myself, keeping it, keeping myself to do the work. So I have to have motivation, I have to have inspiration, and I have to have discipline. So time management is extremely important. But one of the things that keeps me balanced is stopping when I need to. So vulnerability. Today I'm vulnerable and I don't feel like doing the work, it, that's okay. So I'll just do my Pilates and I'll take my walk and I'll have my coffee with my friends and tomorrow I'll be a better person and I'll be more energized and I'll be able to give back, whether to my kids, my home, my teammates, my business and so on. Um, so that's on the personal level to keep yourself going on because honestly, 
Sometimes we get really indulged or, or stuck in that box of, am I successful? Am I making money? Am I getting enough clients? Am I doing this? And it's like, and usually for me, it's when I put my head on the pillow at night. Yeah. My, my mind is just non-stop. Mm. And, and I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. Where's my mm. magnesium? Um, <laughs> so it's, it, it just, you really need to see yourself as a human being. Yeah. You're not an entrepreneur, you're just human. Yeah. So let's just, and it goes well with humanizing brands as well, because I cannot, I like that. you I know, like I that. can't tell brands to be human when I can't treat myself as a human being. Yeah. The second part is, is what we tell businesses and what we tell brands from a humanizing brands perspective is to strategize, act, impact. And this is what you've been saying, is that how can I strategize my plan? What's my strategy for the next five days, for the next two months? Um, just keep it real and, and take it step by step. You know, Don't strategize for the next five years. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I may go outside now and my entire life changes yeah. uh, over a second. And then act. So don't sit on your plan, you know, and 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 just um, and and procrastinate. You need to act. And even if those actions are baby steps, again, so three actions per day. If you can't handle three, just put two. But just keep it real. And third is the impact of those two. So the strategizing, the action. What's the impact? Is the impact that you're getting more business or is that you are uh, being more motivated or that you're making more money or that you're out there being exposed to more, um, more opportunities so, or is that you're actually happy doing what you're doing and that you jump from corporate and it's actually, um, it's worth it. Yeah. So it, it depends on who you are and that impact, it, it depends on you. Um, so that's, yeah, and I talk a lot with people. I seek out help a lot yeah. um, because being alone is, is quite, you know, lonely. So yeah. you ask friends, you call up people and you say, hey, how did you do this? Um, yeah. I'm stuck here. Would you open up a door there? Uh, seeking help is, is extremely important because you feel like you're not alone, but it yeah. also humiliates you. It keeps yeah. you humble and grounded that you're not great at everything because you're not. Absolutely. No, and, and I think what we, what we are saying here touched a nerve here um, because uh, I think two months ago I was working with the GM of Microsoft and um, I remember she she, she came late to the meeting and it was very weird. Like she was the, supposed to be the leader of the meeting. And we were wondering like, why are you late? And she was like, oh, I was at a Spider-Man movie with my son and he always comes first. And that was like, wow, like what? And I think that the whole agenda of that um, engagement was model coach care. So how can we as leaders actually model what we're saying, coach our entire team, and actually take care of them. And I think this is kind of the segue to my next question. How, uh, in the next few minutes, how are we, or what are, is our role as entrepreneurs, and not just building a, 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 a company, but how can we embed mental health in the culture of our enterprises? For me personally, I mean, feeling safe is something that, okay, so what we've realized from the amounts of research that I've done with the WHO, the World Federation for Mental Health, um, co-creating policies, we've realized that it's not that people don't know where to go, it's not that people can't afford mental health, it's not that people don't have credible services. If You can have all three, but if you don't feel safe, you simply won't access them. So do you feel safe in your own skin? 
do you feel safe around others, the people you spend most time with? So I think for me, it's, it's all about how can you build this, a culture where people feel safe? Because if you feel safe, you will innovate, you will create, you will dare to fail. But if we are penalizing failure and if we're penalizing things or if we're setting KPRs that aren't based on the process but based on results, and that is where I, I see a lot of um, new companies failing to hit those um, innovative ideas and benchmarking actual real change and impact because that takes time. So how are we going to um, create a culture in our organizations or in our business? For example, at Empower, we have 19 employees now. How are we, and that's the question I keep asking myself every day, how is every single one of my people going to feel safe? Am I creating through the pressure that I have from my investors, from my people, from my family? Am I enforcing goals? What am I enforcing and how am I going to create a space for them where they can feel safe? Nadine, sit. Thank you. Ali, 19 people, very nice. So uh, my startup value is in health and wellness. So we make it easy we make it easy for people to take care of their health. So we make data and well-being together. So our vision is to help people take care of themselves. So we always say, and I joke sometimes, we can't be the burnout employees of a health and wellness company. Like, we can't. <laughs> we need to be aware of it. And how we've done it is we've, uh, we've put it in the values of our company. And one of our values is you can't take care of somebody if you don't take care of yourself. And... Look, as you said, the pressure is there. You've got the monthly KPIs, you have your investors, you need to show numbers. So does our team work long hours? Yes, we do long hours. But we're, I also try to, let's say try to, I can't say, I, you know, I try to also make the team aware of like, you know, I always start my meetings, how are you? How are you feeling? What did you do for yourself? Or... If I see one of my team members, and they're here, so they might come to you and be like, no, you never asked. No, and if I see one of my team members tired, I'll be like, look, I know we're going through stressful times, but are you taking some time off? Are you sleeping well? Are you eating well? If you're not, please like, take time off. Like, stop emailing me in weekends, you know? Like, we, we decided no emails in weekends, and we hold ourselves because sometimes we want to. So we ingrained in our values. And as founders, I think we should always uh, walk the talk, right? So if, I see, if they see me burnt out all the time, they'll be like, okay, she's not taking care of herself. So they should, be, they should feel that it's okay to say, I'm taking some time off. Yeah. I'm going to you know, go out, uh, take a staycation. It, it should be in the values that like, it's okay. Like, it's not a bad thing. I used to be in investment banking, private equity. Wow. If you came tanned, it's like, oh my God, she has time to tan, you know? Yeah. No. Now it's like, oh, where did you go? It's amazing. You took a break. That's, that's the, how, this is how you do the culture. Yeah. yeah. Um, Miriam, uh, do you have like, for example, my Saturdays are no work days. Like, I don't care who's messaging me on Saturday. I am, uh, I am not responding because this is the time that I get my entire fuel for the whole week even if it is whatever. How do you, do you have a way where you kind of set a boundary? Because I think that is, uh, that is actually, in my point of view, what separates someone who has that long run 
who's able to continue and, and keep going and perform at that high elite level. And I come from a, an elite sports background, so I know active rest is the, ultimate, uh, is the ultimatum between a champion from a pro athlete. So how do you, how do you take time and model that for your team? I have two teenagers at home. Oh, wow. I have two boys, and they're both very much athlete, or, you know, so they're into boxing and football. So I am literally on the run all the time. Um, I take calls while I'm driving on Sheikh Zayed Road. I'm cooking, I'm taking calls. I'm, so multitasking for me is no longer multitasking, it's just my way of life. Oh. Um, the way I take a break is that, um, I, I have to be honest, I do work on Saturdays and Sundays and I, you know, I don't separate, this is my weekend and this is my weekday. It just goes with the flow. So if I feel today that I am very much energized yeah. in, on a Saturday morning and, and the house is calm and birds are singing yeah. outside and you know, I have my coffee, I'll do some work. Yeah. You know? And if I feel that on Monday morning I cannot look at my screen, then I'll stop and I'll go for that walk. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to comment on the culture side because it's not just about um, startups culture, it's about any culture. You know, um, on the mental health with, with my team, I always listened and looked for signs. So if I feel that my team is burnt out or somebody is not really in their mindset, they're not really performing properly, they're sitting in the meeting a little bit down, looking at their phone, they're not motivated, yeah. I go and reach out to them. Um, and I have that talk and I ask that question, are you okay? Do you need a time off? Do you, you know, what's going on? Do you have problems at home. So you kind of reach out because it's happening with my kids as well. You know, kids, you're young, so you know, you know, and you were a teenager as well. So, I mean, he's 25, by the way. I'm so impressed. What? I'm <laughs> so, joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. And, and I love the fact that you're so young because, you know, um, youth empowerment and youth development is really it's one of the day. things that I, I, I'm, I'm very much passionate about. But my kids, they close the door and it's like in their own little world. And I have to open up and say, how was your day? I get fine. So you really need to have that like, conversation. You that pull it out of them, yeah. you know? I just want to say, the fact is, there's no one way that you find the boundary, right? Like it, it works for different people for different contexts. Um, now, the, I just want to like go with David a little bit here because I think one thing you mentioned today, and that was a light bulb of an idea for me, is like, how do you maintain that scaling up? Because scaling up for me is scary. How do you maintain that level of that strict boundary? And, 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 and you're one of the happiest people I've met in my life. <laughs> like, how it takes work to, to yeah. maintain that. Look, so we work with uh, accelerator partners in seven countries in the region, and a lot of them are difficult countries. And, uh, and last year, we worked directly and indirectly with 168 teams. Our goal for this year is to 10x that, 1,680 teams. Wow. And we want well-being integrated into every program with every team. It's part of the methods we use, the assessment tools we use. We have a library of activities which suggests a bunch of things that people can do to respond to um, whatever challenges, whatever priorities they have. Um, I think we're very serious people. We're big believers in data and software and building systems, but we also really like having fun. And um, uh, how, can we, how can we have more fun in our programs? And we know that when people are having fun, they learn better, they're more open-minded. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if anyone wants to join, by the way. I do have one other clown, though. So 
You want one? There you go. Yeah, anyone else? You want, you want one? Okay, anyone else wanna? You want one? Okay, here, you want one too? Yeah, okay, perfect. Here you go, sir. And, um, and so how can we integrate this kind of fun stuff into the programs, but also have people realize that this can also be part of serious programs that people are, are doing and learning and building enterprises, building startups, um, growing, having revenues, etc. That this can be real and integrated and connected. It's not divergence, it's not distraction. And, um, and hopefully this can, in collaboration with our partners, work to grow not just Absolutely. the enterprise opportunities. Guys, give it up for David. Guys, give it up for David. But well-being in the region. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Our time is up. I just want to say thank you, Nadine, Mariam, and David. You guys have been incredible panelists. Guys, thank you so much for today. Thank, thank you. you. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find our content on Anagami, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Follow us on social media at Step Conference and let's stay in touch. 